Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Marcus and Eric Learn Stuff from Smarter People. I'm Marcus Monroe. And I'm Eric Newman. Today we're joined by Patrick Bobolin. Bobolin! Yes. yes! He is running for the state assembly uh, in New York, right, yeah. Patrick? Yeah. Now, what is this? <laughs> what is the state assembly? What does that mean? Yeah. Do you yeah. know, Eric? I have no idea. I have What's no the state idea. I've heard about it. Yeah. Sounds important. So the state assembly is like a part. We have a part-time legislature in New York because our legislators are lazy. Um, so they're only on from January to June. And what they do is right now we're in the midst of what they call budget talks. The governor puts forth, tries to legislate with the budget, says this is the shit I want to spend money on. And then the legislators have to argue about how they're going to spend that money. Like there's going to be a big pile of money for education. Okay, which things are we going to fund with that? Or, you know, right now they're in negotiations because the governor said, oh, actually, um, my husband's friends with the owner of the bills, so let's give them a billion dollars to uh, rehab the, the stadium there because that's the biggest priority we have right now in the middle of a fucking pandemic. <laughs> right. Sorry, can I swear? Totally. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah you should. Um, yeah, you so, can't not. <laughs> so, so I'm already winning here. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so... The state assembly is is a set of legislators. Puts legislators. Uh, there's a hundred and uh, god fifty one, I think, um, in, across the the state, and they you know uh, represent about one hundred and thirty thousand people. So you know, in other parts of the country, that would be a small town, but in New York City, it's uh, for me, it's sixty second to 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 ninety second. Third Avenue to the river and then little Roosevelt Island, which gets sadly overlooked. Um, so that's that's what an assembly district looks like. We happen to live in a kind of rectangular one. Um, but, you know, they can be gerrymandered to include, you know, several boroughs and, sure. and represent only the, the people who have the most money there. Um, but ultimately, yeah, legislators uh, introduce legislation. Uh, you know, with the help of lots and lots of staff, um, deal with constituent issues, um, but mostly try to make sure that budget gets put, like, accept like budget priorities. Sure. Wow. So do you go to, like, where where would you do this work? Would it be downtown and, or would you go to D.C.? Where do you Albany, do Albany, yeah. Albany. So four, wow. four days a week you go to Albany, theoretically, oh. they're in session. And my dad, and my, my family's from Albany. Okay, oh. watch it. Watch oh, why it, are you? <laughs> that was listen, Eric, listen, by the way. I'm not a big Albany fan. Marcus, listen. Marcus is pro-Albany. Listen, <laughs> dad, if you're, if you're listening, if you're listening. There's a funny bone there. I'm here to, to defend. defend. There is a funny bone there. Yeah. There's a good funny bone there, too. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I know, I'm just, I'm playing. It, it sucks, yeah, it's nothing to do. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's rough. I actually, I, I go there probably once a year, and I'm, like, fine with it, but it's just, like, I don't know, man. I'm, like, spoiled from New York City, but go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So, what got you in this path? Because did you start out when you were younger? Were you in, like, politics in high school? Did you go to, like, uh, what do you call it, like, uh, class president? No, no, I really hated those kids, honestly. I was the kid who went to protest. I was really into punk rock, like, making my own clothes and shit like that. Yeah. Um, Very Cobain, Cobain-esque. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. a little, little bit like that. Like, yeah. really, just just fuck the system. Um, but I think I got tired after a while of that because it's really off-putting, and I realized the power of like building community, building solidarity. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know. I also founded the Upper East Side Mutual Aid Network. Oh, I learned great. a lot from that um, in the last couple of years throughout the pandemic. Well, it's actually interesting what you said, where you were like a fuck the system kid, and then all of a sudden, I feel like the fuck the system kids who really like are focused and disciplined turn into the change the system uh, uh, adults, right? Sort of. 
Um, or they sell out completely, but yeah, or, or that, or that, but, but yeah. thankfully in this case you didn't. Um, so, so right. It's interesting because you're like, okay, I have clearly, I have this like passion and this power to like motivate and to bring people together. And let me use that in a way that's more like community oriented as opposed to like, let's fight the community, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing people have been for our whole lives. Um, you know, schools have been underfunded. For our whole lives, we've been increasing police budgets. For our whole lives, we've been continually locking up more and more people. We haven't ended murder. <laughs> we haven't ended rape. We haven't ended thefts. We haven't, um, you know, we've seen the the results of, of lower funding of education in rural communities throughout the country. Uh, Trump, you know, um, you know, we right. we see you know Tide Pods, uh, uh, I, you know, I- Ivermectin or whatever. Just have one you for know? lunch. Yeah. <laughs> So, so all this stuff um, has real consequences, right? And, you know, to me, there's a greater power in a lot of ways of building solidarity and building community. Um, I'm an atypical politician in that um, I don't really work with the typical um, standard, like, Democratic club community leaders. Uh, I, I find them to be, I find their perspectives to be kind of atrocious because they're ultimately about um, protecting power for the already powerful. Whereas for me, the, 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 the greatest gift of a democracy is to share power with those who are most marginalized, most vulnerable. Um, and so it's really hard for someone like me to run for office. It's really hard for someone like me to fundraise. Um, it takes a lot of willpower and maybe a little bit of a uh, 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 disturbed belief in oneself. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> totally. um, but at the same time, through years of community organizing, through years of building solidarity, I walk down the street walking my dog, you know, hungover at 7 a.m. And some old lady comes up to me and says, hey, this thing you did for the community is really great. I don't know, handing awesome. out bread, you know, handing out, you know, and it's stuff like that where I'm just like, you know, I can be at my lowest low, uh, like I'm never going to win. Uh, I'm like there's no there's no changing the system and then something like that happens. Yeah. And that's what sort of puts gas in your tank. Um For sure. At the end of the day, you know, even if I don't win, even if I don't end up in politics forever, I've I've learned and I hope that to impart on others the value of building solidarity over building a, yet another structure and framework uh of of creating power like a a, a protected power, you know. Wow. Totally. The more you open it up, the more you build solidarity. Um, the longer lasting and the more those impacts are, right? Um, You remember more, not uh, the day you voted, who you voted for, um, but the person you shovel the sidewalk with uh, you know, for an old lady, you know, something yeah, like that. Sure. that's, that's more of a memory. So, so even that on an emotional level um, trickles down to a way to perform politics. It's not the way most people perform <coughs> politics because it's, it's long-term it's, it's slow, it's unsexy. Um, it, it's time consuming, yeah. you know? Well, what's interesting when you said, and this is like, as a stand-up comic, I was totally, I put everything in that. Uh, I sort of like, you in, do comedy. I do. Oh. Um, I, I do, I sort of put everything in those terms. And what you were saying to me, I was really like, sort of like, um, I was taking it in very deeply because, you know, it's like oftentimes like I feel like, you know, as comics, we're sort of like, we're, it's, it's all about ego. And you're always like, oh, my God, this table hates me when like 100 other people are laughing. But you're focused on the four people who hate you or whatever. Or Mark is the reverse, right? Four people like you, 100 right. people hate you, whatever yeah. it is. Right. But 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 anyway, but I always, you know, I'm so focused and I'm just like and so many days I'm just like, oh, like the career's not moving as quickly as I wanted to or whatever. And then somebody will send you a message and just be like, I'm a huge fan of yours. Like you literally like I, I was in a deep depression and like 
watching your comedy helped me so much. And then you start thinking about it on an individual basis and not about you, like the, like the specific people that you're actually helping and doing. So like that old lady who like complimented you and said like, and, and, and was very vocal about how much you've helped the community. Stuff like that is really, really like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm on the right track here. Yeah, you know, you it, it, and you need some of that. And as much as you try to convince yourself, yeah. you don't, you need it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing on stage, but you're building solidarity with an audience, right? You want to get them on your side if you're telling, especially if you're telling like a dangerous story or a story that, you know, may not put you in the best light, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, the the fuck the system comics are the ones who are going to focus on that table of four who hates them versus the hundred other people. And instead building solidarity and and, and making those four realize that, you know, they're they're missing something, right? right? And so that's, that's ultimately what building solidarity is it's, it's finding people who you have common ground with and mm-hmm. you know doing things that are that are sort of like solid building solidarity is unsexy it's slow it's inefficient um but again it's longer lasting and and, and far more powerful in impacting people's lives what are some of the uh key issues that you see in new york that you you really want to change yeah, I mean, one that, that's easy to talk to, like, any voter or any person listening to this podcast about is the sub-minimum wage. Did you know that it's illegal for uh, people with disabilities, we're talking about people with cognitive disabilities or someone with a mobility disability, uh, it's legal for them to be paid a sub-minimum wage like a, like a waiter would be, regardless of the job that they're doing. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so yeah, I want to end the sub-minimum wage, not only for, for service class, uh, but also for all people with disabilities. There's no reason someone with, with a disability is probably working harder to perform that job should be paying less, less money, right? right. Um, <clears throat> and so along with that, you know, I also want to see, you know, our bars, restaurants, et cetera, stay open and not worry about having to pay people higher wages. So I want to end um, our open continue container laws in this state, which limit um, your ability to walk around with a beer, basically. Um, there's the idea of to-go drinks, right? But that's great for restaurants. That's put together by the restaurant lobby. The the, the, the governor supports that because the restaurant lobby is, is a business right. you know, party she wants to work with. But does she care about the average person who then leaves with the, with the drink and doesn't want to get harassed by police? Additionally, 87% of the open container tickets we give out in this state are to black and brown people. 87%. That doesn't sound like a law that's applied uh, uh, right. fairly, especially yeah. in a city They're where we can't get rid like, of SantaCon. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Crazy. Because you look at the SantaCon audience and it isn't 87%. Oh, SantaCon, right, yeah. <laughs> SantaCon, terrible. Yeah, terrible. So, so that's Ooh, all to Santa say Con. that, you know, there are... Do you like SantaCon, Eric? I hate SantaCon. Oh, okay, yeah, no it's one like, likes it's it. It's like if Albany was a day in New York. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, my 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 goal is, is radical compassion, and what that takes is it takes bravery, it takes honesty, it takes putting yourself in uncomfortable positions, but it also, you know, it requires you to be on the right side of history, um, even when it's hard. And I think it's something that people can latch onto and people can understand in a pretty, it's so funny how you, how you, I've never heard the phrase radical compassion, which I think is really interesting, but like the fact that even being compassionate has a label of being radical is pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Right. Well, people do things all the time. Um, you know, charity favors, things like that, with an expectation of seeing something on the other end. But this is that conversation about efficiency. I mean, really, we're talking about an anti-capitalist stance, right? Because um, if you're worried about what you get out of an exchange, it's not compassionate. It's 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 an exchange of power, right? It, and it's it's related to capitalism. It's an exchange of you know power for power. Um, but ultimately, if your goal is just to uplift others um, and make sure no one is left out of a given situation, that's pure democracy. And to me, that's radical compassion. It's, it's not super capitalist. It's not a great way to make money. 
Now, you've been doing this for a, at least a couple years because I first was put on to you. I went to one of the first BLM protests, <laughs> not pro gatherings, maybe at Carl Schurz Park. Mm-hmm. And I think you were there kind of orchestrating the whole thing. Who were you doing on 86th Street in East End? Were you involved? Yeah. In, okay. yep. yeah. Uh, I started that with some other people in the neighborhood. I basically like uh, saw something akin to that happen on McCarran Park. Um, my ex lived over by McCarran Park, and we, we went like the first night that that happened. It's called the McCarran Gathering. And I said, you know, something like that, this should happen outside the mayor's house, you know, because mm-hmm. we're really trying to change the system here. And we have a mayor who supposedly, um, you know, wants to get control over police abuses, right? Um, and sitting that close to the seat of power, literally, um, you know, yeah, I just texted a few friends. I said, hey, you want to come out to this? And the first and second night, we had thousands of people taking up like several blocks of the- <laughs> Yeah, I remember I think, that. I think I was there I the remember first that. night because I remember doing like a 20-minute moment, of, or 30-minute yeah. moment of silence. Yeah. yeah, those eventually shortened. That was yeah, a lot. No, of, yeah. I remember that. And then um, Rebecca Lamort. Lamort was there. I remember her. And she also ran for- was it city council? City council, okay, different position. Um, and then, um, so it was fun. So, like, my wife and I during the pandemic would go to the Carl Shores Park almost nightly, and sometimes we do uh, marches that would just go around the park to past the the mayor's mansion, uh, Gracie Mansion. But sometimes we would like divert and go into the city and like meet up with other marches that were going on during the time. One of them there was a car that like went through the march and then i th- saw you get arrested mm-hmm. but you didn't you weren't driving this car it was like the most weird thing i've ever seen in my life yeah uh so a car was trying to drive through uh the crowd of people and now it's on the upper east side so you have yeah. a lot of people who are older who are mobility challenged so i'm walking with you know one of my neighbors and her mother you know it's I don't know, she doesn't want me to tell you, I'm sure, but in her 80s. Um, and she's, you know, going along with her cane, and a car is driving through a crowd, slamming on its horn. So I get on top of the car, try to stop the car. Let's just say, allegedly, the window gets smashed. The car finally stops, thankfully, once the window is smashed. And it's no longer, I guess, a video game for those drivers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get out, and they have some nice words with the cops and then me and the other person who was arrested that day had to pay restitution to fix their poor damaged car. Wow. What? Yeah. You had to pay their, for their car? Yeah. Or could, I could have gone to trial, but I didn't have money for a lawyer. So, Oh my gosh. So wow. what, how, yeah. How do you raise money to get your name out there to get people to. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it, it's all, it's, it's, it's boring. It's, yeah. it's, it's phone calls. Your you cold just call, up, yeah. cold call voters, cold call people who've donated to other similar candidates before. Sure. I'm selling some cool t-shirts on my website, patrickfornewyork.com. Awesome. But, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a fun process. I fundamentally, we want to get the money out of politics because that's the sort of fundamental core of the problem. And yet the reality is if, even if you're trying to buck that system, you are, you need, forced. you need money. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> yep. definitely need money. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. So how far are you in the process now of, uh, yeah. When is the election? Your, when, when is like, yeah. Yeah. As of today, April 7th, right. Yep. Today uh, is um, the 7th. You know, yep. I, uh, handed in this week the signatures to put me on the ballot um hopefully those are kosher and up to standards and then i'll be on the ballot come june 28th and then between now and then it's just a shitload of phone calls and trying to raise money to send out mail mail is weirdly important because the voter base is older because it is a off-year primary um you know it's you're already talking about 
the the voter turnout. Okay, so so for, you know, forty percent of New Yorkers are Democrats. Like twenty five percent are are you know Republicans, and like thirty percent are is a vague numbers. Thirty uh, percent are independents. So you have forty percent of the population in a heavily Democratic uh, city or state that um, then chooses uh, then is able to choose. Um, you know, who, who goes on to the general. Now, only 20% of that 40% shows up. So now we're talking about 8% of the total voter population. Jeez. So if, if half of 8% chooses one person, that's 4% of the total voter population. Oh my God. Uh, chooses who ends up in that general election. You know, that's the problem yeah. with turnout. That's the problem. I mean, that's the core of our democracy. You have 4% of yeah. all the voters who've then chosen who's on the ballot. And you're looking at like a Democrat from a wide range of backgrounds or a Republican, probably from a very, you know, predictable right. background. Right. right. Um, so it's really, that's why, you know, the people with money and the people with power very strongly protect those primaries mm-hmm. um, because you don't have to get a hold of as many voters. You sure. don't have to Interesting. as many people. Wow. You know, they who, like the low turnout. Where did you get the eight percent from, though? Because you said uh, you said forty forty percent are Democrat. You said half of them show up. How does it go from twenty to eight? Uh, I said twenty percent show up of the forty percent. Oh, twenty percent so of one forty percent. Sorry, I yeah, thought you said so twenty. I thought you said half. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Did the quick math. So. so, how many people are you running? Like, how many slots are open? How many people are you running against? For me, it's just me and the incumbent. If it were an open seat, like mm-hmm. someone was retiring or someone died uh, or someone no longer wanted to run, um, then uh, you know it could be five, six, seven people. And mm-hmm. again, they're splitting that pie of eight percent up. You know, so they only need like a thousand votes or two thousand votes. I mean, there are city elections that are won or lost, like city council elections, won or lost by dozens of votes wow. so like literally every vote matters it's like yeah. really that's why people do like me like have to do that boring work of calling every single person trying to meet every single We're going on a shitty podcast yeah going on a podcast you know vote for me everyone who's <laughs> listening in the 76th assembly district <laughs> absolutely absolutely well patrick thank you so much for enlightening us i learned a lot because i honestly had no idea what the state legislature i I've never even had this. I've never even had this long of a conversation with somebody running for office. I don't think we've had a more articulate guest also on our podcast ever. This is so, you've made our lives very easy because we have to come up with dumb questions, but you've answered all the dumb questions we've had without. And it made us it sound like our dumb questions maybe weren't so dumb. Not so dumb. Maybe yeah. not. No. I mean, you reached the bottom of my intellect here, so it just it worked out. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. That's Find it deep within yourself to just <laughs> to just relate to to people who have no idea what you're talking about, and you did a great, great great job of Thanks. doing that so so i uh, i see a very promising future and for you let's hope. let's hope build solidarity get involved with mutual aid do shit for your community and where that's can people matters. find you on social media because i think that's um, probably really important yeah patrick for nyc patrick for nyc yeah patrick for nyc because i ran for city council yeah. and i deleted all my old social media so that no one could <laughs> make any stories about me gotcha but, smart man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Very um, good. Awesome. Thanks so much, Patrick. This Thank has been you, Patrick. Great. Everyone, great. vote for Thank Patrick you. if you're in the... 76th. 76th. Se- school, yeah. District. I was going to say school district, yeah. but that's not it. Vote for someone cool. Or vote for someone cool. Yeah. Or, I mean... In general. In general, yeah. yeah. And his dog is adorable, so don't let's not discount that. He's a man's man. I... 
Or man's man. What does that mean? <laughs> man's man. I don't know. I've never said that With to describe a anybody. Flowery shirt on him. I don't know if I. He's an everyday. That. He's a he's a good hard worker. He's got our endorsement. This is our first political endorsement on yes, the podcast. Absolutely, it's going hey. on my website for sure. There we go. I think that's a lie, but we'll see. Is he like all politicians? He's going to be lying. All put that on the website. I guess we'll oh, we'll shit. fact check it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Thanks, Badger. Badger. Thank Bye. you guys. The New York Comedy Club podcast is back with brand new episodes, interviews, and jokes. Take a look behind the curtain as we discuss all aspects of the comedy world. The origin of a joke, the writing process, the business side of things, and well, things that are just funny. Get to know your favorite comedians, discover new comics, and get a first-hand look inside the Make Em Laugh business with the New York Comedy Club podcast. Brought to you by Paperhouse Network.